Welcome to the Biopractica Professional Podcast Series. Biopractica is an Australian-owned, practitioner-only brand focusing on nutritional and herbal products proven to play a role in preventative medicine. Biopractica is committed to supporting healthcare professionals in developing their knowledge and skills so they can confidently and effectively tackle the major health challenges facing their patients today. To support this commitment, the Learning Hub was established by Biopractica to offer practitioners a collection of educational resources so they can stay informed on the latest in health science research. Hello and welcome. My name's Paul Kern, and today we'll be speaking with our guest regarding toxic metal exposure, increasing the risk of infectious respiratory disease. Today's practitioner is Stephen Judge. Stephen's a clinical naturopath and nutritionist based in Sydney. He runs a busy practice specialising in mental health, digestive disorders, hormonal health and autoimmune diseases. In particular, Stephen focuses on the adverse effects of toxicity and chronic stress um, and the impacts that they can have on health. Through his years of practice, Stephen has developed different holistic techniques to work with patients to address the physiological imbalances that toxicity and stress can cause. He also educates his patients in understanding the implications and effects of toxicity on the digestive system, neuroendocrine system, um, and immune system as well. In clinic, Stephen uses a variety of treatment modalities, including diet, lifestyle, nutrition, and herbal medicine to address those root causes of patient symptoms. Welcome, Stephen, and thank you for taking time to speak with me again. Thanks. Pleasure to be here. So look, with today, we are looking at the impact of toxins on susceptibility to respiratory disease. What sort of toxins, because there can be a lot of toxins out there, what sort of toxins are we actually talking about? Yeah, so this is a really fascinating, interesting and overlooked topic, I think. Um, The toxins we're referring to particularly in relation to increasing susceptibility to respiratory diseases are air pollution, Mm -hmm. uh, particularly toxins within that known as fine particulate matter Mm -hmm. um, or soot. Um, And these are tiny particles that are like byproducts of diesel exhaust and power plant emissions and wood smoke and those type of things. So we have air pollution is a major factor here and also heavy metals, um, which we can also be exposed to via air pollution, but heavy metals also through smoking cigarettes and water and soil contamination and things like that. So with air pollution, you know, there is this growing body of evidence that links air pollution with an increased risk of developing severe outcomes in COVID-19 infection. And although the studies focus predominantly on long-term exposure, mm. experts are saying that there's building evidence that even very short-term exposure may have pretty negative effects. Um, very recently in the Journal of Occupational environmental medicine, um, they published research in January of this year, which concluded that long-term exposure to very low levels of air pollutants, especially this particulate matter, um, significantly increased the risk of infection and it excluded very vulnerable populations. So, you know, home care residents. And um, this was a study done in Italy, but it really reinforces, GPs have already commented as well in Australia, it reinforces the need for authorities to address air pollution in Australia. 
Um, another study in Sweden recently found just brief exposure to air pollution was associated with a significantly increased risk of infection. Um, and, you know, this really confirms the consensus that there really is no safe limit or threshold of air pollution. Um, in regards to heavy metals, you know, a 2020 paper in the Journal of Food and Chemical Toxicology recently discussed the association between heavy metal exposure and the severity of viral diseases, so particularly the flu and other respiratory illnesses, and that to a degree, essentially they may be a consequence of adverse effects of heavy metal exposure on adaptive immunity, and therefore that reduction of heavy metals really should be considered, um, should be a consideration in treatment for reducing susceptibility and severity of viral diseases, including COVID-19. So mm. researchers have recently analysed urine samples of patients with very severe cases of COVID, and they did find increased amounts of cadmium, mercury, and arsenic. Um, we know that these metals, um, and, and lead as well, we know they're all associated with a much greater incidence of respiratory infection in previous research. So it makes sense to apply the same level of scrutiny and consideration with COVID-19. Mm. I, I think you make some a number of really interesting points there, but my experience with practitioners, I guess, is because metals and, and these toxins in air pollution are, are so prevalent that everyone's exposed to them, for, for some reason, even though they're one of the biggest, uh, you know, issues, I'll say, practitioners sometimes, I think, forget about them. They sometimes ignore them. Um, and, and I think it's really important, you know, some, some of the information you bring to the fore here is that, you know, even small amounts of exposure to these things actually increase people's chances of developing, you know, respiratory tract issues, et cetera. And uh, as I said, you know, something certainly as a practitioner that my brain doesn't always go to if someone comes in with respiratory tract infection. It's not, right, we've got to detox you. Um, but, you know, obviously it is incredibly important. It is something I think practitioners should be obviously looking at a lot more. So how exactly do these toxins affect that disease susceptibility? Is there a specific sort of mechanism of action by which these different toxins allow people more, to be more susceptible? Yeah, look, in a really basic nutshell, um, you know, it really this all really comes down to like chronic systemic oxidative stress and inflammation. So we know that air pollution from particulate matters directly increases the risk of inflammation in the lungs and makes the lungs more susceptible to respiratory infection and increases the severity of them. Um, like I was saying before, it decreases our um, innate immune response and mm -hmm. facilitates viral penetration and replication in that regard too. So, you know, this all this systemic oxidative stress leads directly to endothelial dysfunction. And we know, you know, with COVID, Serious cases of COVID-19 are associated with this widespread endothelial inflammation and dysfunction as well. Mm. Um, you know, with heavy metals, you know, while research directly linking heavy metals to COVID is scarce, mm. um, the impact of heavy metals such as cadmium, lead, mercury, arsenic on immunity and lung function is well established. Mm. Um so heavy metals also directly damage lung function. They impair the epithelial tight junctions in the lungs, therefore increasing the risk of, you know, severe infection. And, again, they're amplifying inflammation 
to such a wide degree. Um, and they also contribute to this disease burden by depleting our own antioxidant stores. Mm. So, you know, this direct damage to lung function, altered immune and inflammatory activity is, you know, despite this, you know, scarce research technically with heavy metals and COVID, it's pretty likely for them to be having a profound impact on the host response to a COVID-19 infection. Obviously, you know, smoking causes, you know, very direct damage to um, the respiratory tract in the lungs and mm. reduces mucociliary activity, you know, our major defence mechanism of the lungs to shift toxins out of the lungs. Um, but, yeah, it's really, you know, um, coming down to pretty chronic inflammation and oxidative stress, which we know with severe outcomes in COVID is what will perpetuate severe outcomes as well. Mm. Absolutely. And and I think it's really interesting that you're talking about the relevance of the air pollution and that it really can predispose people to, you know, just respiratory tract infections overall. And, and I think if we look at COVID, uh, you know, a lot of people saying, if you live in a city, if you live in apartments, then you're more likely to get it. And I think the assumption has always been that's because you're close to people. That's because you're touching an elevator button. That's because you're touching a door handle, holding a, mm. a, a stair railing. But then again, people that live in conditions like that usually are exposed to a lot of air pollutants. True. Mm. Yeah. So, yeah, it's something people think about. True. Mm. Um, yeah, there's so many variables, right? And I think it's a variable we don't think about. Yeah, no, this, this is fascinating. Look, are there any other factors that you, you know, sort of spring to mind for you that can impact disease susceptibility, say, or severity uh, in regards to something like COVID-19? Yes, apart from, you know, age, which is kind of the obvious one. Um, and aside from existing respiratory diseases, you know, such as um, COPD and asthma and things, there's a significant increase in susceptibility and severity of a COVID-19 infection with the lifestyle-induced metabolic diseases, so obesity, diabetes, right. cardiovascular diseases and cancer as well. So, you know... Similarly to severe COVID-19 cases, chronic diseases such as these metabolic, you know, lifestyle-induced ones, they can also uh, be influenced by excessive heavy metal burden. Um, so, you know, there's this really cool paper I found in 2015 in the Journal of Nutrition and Metabolism that, you know, basically put forward pretty strong arguments that expose and evidence that exposure to and accumulation of toxins, such as heavy metals, actually play a significant role in cardiovascular disease, diabetes, and obesity development. Um, and they, you know, go into a lot of detail explaining how and why, and it's a really great paper to read um, you know, to practitioners and um, other people alike. And, you know, it discusses the effects of foods and food-derived compounds to help with, you know, liver detoxification of these mm -hmm. toxicants. Uh, and so, you know, in... In these conditions, um, like I was saying before, in obesity and all these lifestyle-induced metabolic issues, there is quite a significant altered inflammatory signaling and redox mm -hmm. homeostatic state. Mm -hmm. um, so there's a common underlying thread here, right? So although other mechanisms will obviously be at play in terms of disease progression with COVID, you know, supporting detoxification pathways, and considering assessment for heavy metal status, in my opinion, is definitely an important piece of the puzzle mm -hmm. um, to consider. 
And yeah, so this overarching theme of inflammation, oxidative stress, you know, in obesity and other lifestyle-induced metabolic issues, mm-hmm. um, they're seriously pro-inflammatory mm-hmm. um, environment, you know, which exacerbates, exacerbates COVID-19 infection. and would definitely explain the increased risk of complications um, in these patients. Look, you've absolutely got me thinking I should be uh, screening all my patients regardless of what they come in with because I do see a lot of people with different metabolic illnesses and things like that. Uh, I should be screening them all for heavy metals. So what do you do in clinic uh, to actually screen your patients for heavy metals? Do you have a sort of favorite test or do you use a different uh, a different series of tests? Yeah, so, you know, while blood testing can be useful for very recent exposure. Um, it's not very useful for like, you know, long-term storage levels and exposure of heavy metals. So my preferred method of testing is hair tissue mineral and toxic heavy metal analysis, uh, which is more indicative of this historical exposure of heavy metals, you know, from in utero to now. Um, so metals accumulate in the hair um over a three-month period so you know we take three centimeters of hair that's closest to the scalp and that analyzes a wide range of metals so lead mercury cadmium aluminium uh, arsenic um, and it also gives you an analysis of mineral status and mineral ratios which is really useful information to know what we need to work on with mineral status because that can really impact how someone detoxifies adequately mm. as well. Um, and yeah, so hair is a great indicator of heavy metal status, essentially because hair traps and stores these elements between the strands of keratin, so the protein that makes up hair tissue, and minerals and heavy metals both attach to certain molecules in hair. Um, I personally use interclinic interclinical laboratories who are with the uh, trace elements incorporated in Texas in America. Um, They've been around for 30 or 40 years and have tested millions of people all over the planet. So I, and especially after doing so many tests for so many years in private practice, like um, because of the results I see and all these similar patterns, like they're quite a reliable and accurate um, testing company and yeah so the hdma for me is really valuable and to screen how people are doing over time with their different levels so do you assess all your patients for heavy metal toxicity mostly yeah yes i will say though not necessarily first up because mm-hmm. step one of um detoxification um, of heavy metals like you have to sort the gut out first so mm-hmm. a large percentage of my client base are you know um people with pretty chronic gut issues so mm-hmm. um because i have a huge we have to fix that first as mm-hmm. a priority um mm-hmm. because some of these treatments like um, binders and things like that that are popular for detoxifying mm-hmm. heavy metals like you know you can't really go there with a lot of people if their bowel and liver function isn't mm-hmm. um optimally first so yes but i will make sure the digestion is functioning optimally first and looking at and you know this is we have to prioritize things you know logistically and financially for people so um metal testing and getting really targeted with that kind of comes after we've sorted out the gut however if i do meet someone who for whatever reason their digestion is you know in tip-top shape 
um, <laughs> obsessed with heavy metals, um, which happens occasionally. Yeah. Um, particularly if there are mental health, pretty particularly if there are significant mental health presentations, um, I right. probably might just go straight to heavy metals and, as well. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and look, some of the great things, as you've uh, said before, about the uh, hair tissue mineral analysis <clears throat> is that it doesn't just look at toxins. It actually also looks at some of those beneficial uh, minerals as well. And, you know, we certainly know that when people have a greater need to detoxify, you know, we want to make sure they have sufficient zinc and things like that. But are there any supplements specifically, be it zinc or, or, or something else that you would be using to help reduce some of those negative effects of the toxin exposure? Yes. So it's my biased opinion, but certainly not just mine, that, um, you know, even if someone has an, you know, the perfect diet and lifestyle on paper, it's pretty much impossible to live in modern society without having pretty excessive environmental toxin exposure. Mm. That's becoming mm. pretty clear as some very recent studies have been talking about, right, like with air pollution and stuff. Mm. And, um, you know, the burden of toxins on due to our environment is huge, you know. Um, and we do, you know, we have our own innate detoxification mechanisms to help us with that, but I don't think we've evolved to really handle this level of toxicity. Mm. Um, so for this reason, intelligent and targeted supplementation that works on supporting these detoxification pathways is crucial, in my mm-hmm. opinion, um, especially when dealing with, you know, issues of chronic inflammation and oxidative stress. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, two major superstar compounds worth supplementing for mm-hmm. any type of Others of the type of metal is definitely N-acetylcysteine or NAC for short right. and glutathione. So glutathione is often referred to as the master antioxidant. Mm-hmm. So it, you know, it, um, it also boosts the utilisation and recycling of all our other antioxidants in the body. So like vitamin C, E, aflopoic acid, CoQ10. So mm. glutathione is this master antioxidant that kind of regulates, you know, redox homeostasis and inflammation in the body. NAC mm. is a precursor to glutathione. So it kind of, mm. it helps to restore cellular levels of glutathione. And mm. NAC also has its own unique properties as an antioxidant as well. Mm. Like it's mucolytic and antiviral and all these different things. So both NAC and glutathione reduce the impact of heavy metals on the body uh, by a variety of mechanisms. So they both safely promote collation of heavy metals. Mm -hmm. So they bind them and, you know, negate the ability of metals to cause any more cellular damage. They support detoxification pathways. So they're ensuring safe transport of heavy metals out of the cell and Mm -hmm. assist the liver to excrete them properly. As they are powerful antioxidants, they reduce this, the damage to cells, you know, that's already happening due to heavy metals being present. And, and particularly NAC, they, they replenish our stores of antioxidants um, mm-hmm. since heavy metals are depleting our own stores of antioxidants. So mm-hmm. glutathione can kind of directly replenish the stores and NAC can really help to stimulate synthesis as a precursor. Um, ideally these supplements are best taken in a liposomal form. Mm-hmm. Um, otherwise, particularly for glutathione, because taking that in a regular form, we know that bioavailability of that is really poor. Mm-hmm. Um, so the liposomal delivery systems are ideal there. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm also a huge fan of broccoli sprout. Mm-hmm. So broccoli 
sprout, it's like, you know, it's a plant. So it's, it's enhancing the production of our own innate antioxidants mm-hmm. and working pretty wonderfully on inflammation, particularly via the NRF2. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I touched on it before, but alkalizing minerals are very mm-hmm. useful at these beginning stages um, to ensure that toxin secretion, excretion by the mm-hmm. kidneys is optimal. So we're talking about the major electrolytes here, so you know, sodium, potassium, calcium, magnesium, ideally in citrate forms for that. Mm-hmm. Most people are pretty deficient in minerals these days mm-hmm. due to chronic stress and caffeine, and but particularly if there's heavy metals because they are um, displacing these minerals, leaving mm-hmm. people in this chronic loop um, mm-hmm. of deficiency. Um, binders I find are really helpful. So mm-hmm. to help make sure once heavy metals are hitting the gut, that they're actually getting out of the gut because a lot of people are reabsorbing metals back into circulation. So right. there are many binders on the market. Um, clinoctililite would be my binder of choice. It's quite gentle. It's really effective at binding most toxins. It's also great mm-hmm. at binding histamine as well, excessive histamine in the gut, which is going mm-hmm. on quite a lot with people. Mm-hmm. Um, yep, yeah, as you said before, zinc citrate, um, super important for reducing heavy metal detoxification and, and it's an antioxidant among many other things. And I am a huge fan of um, just very gently going in with um, choleratic collagog herbal medicines as oh, well. Yeah. Mary's, mm-hmm. artichoke. Mm-hmm. Um, the only caution I'd um, give to people with these supplements is I'd I'd avoid binders if someone's very constipated. And, again, mm-hmm. if their gut is slow, I'd kind of go more with um, collagog herbal medicines, NAC, glutathione, um, some mm-hmm. gut support if necessary, like pro-prebiotics and partially hydrolyzed guar gum, and just make sure the gut is working well before attempting a binder. Sure. Uh, but, yeah, they're the good ones. Um, so are there any other strategies, though? So, I mean, you've obviously got – some great strategies for actually dealing, well, firstly, um, finding out what levels, I'll say, of metal exposure people might have had. Uh, you've got some great strategies for supporting them. But are there any sort of strategies you have for mitigating or just reducing that toxin exposure? Yes. So pretty much like getting back to some pretty core lifestyle um, Hacks, is that the right word? Just lifestyle considerations, right? So um, I guess I use the word hack because they're things I take for granted that a lot of people don't consider what we're talking about. Um, So, you know, we have to obviously question where they might be coming from in our direct environment outside of, you know, polluted air. Um, A big one is unfiltered tap water. So like most naturopaths, we are heavily, constantly championing filtered water. they are a source of a variety of, you know, undesirable things, but also heavy metals. Mm-hmm. Um, ideally, you know, organic produce where possible or mm-hmm. where we can't get organic produce, just doing the old trick of, you know, um, soaking our produce in vinegar and water for 10 minutes, and those kind yep. of things. Yep. Um, rice, particularly brown rice, is very high in arsenic. So I'm not a huge fan of brown rice these days Um, or, you know, just soaking and rinsing the hell out of it. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, avoiding all the large fish. I would include tuna in that category personally Mm -hmm. with mercury. Um, This is one people don't think about. Like do not exercise and run on busy roads Mm -hmm. and highways. Mm -hmm. It's like you're essentially 
running through a toxic field of metals and pollutants. Mm-hmm. So, like, mm-hmm. and, like, indoors would be better in cities. Mm-hmm. And uh, anyway, if you can't get out into the bush. Mm-hmm. Um, and, yeah, it's um, slightly off topic but kind of related, kind of ensure you're not dealing with, you know, water damage and mould mm-hmm. in the home. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's just these type of lifestyle things and regardless of all this, like we've been saying, you really have to just optimise detoxification mm-hmm. um, in all capacity. It's sort of a core tenet of empathic philosophy regardless of what we're dealing with. And also on this topic, I will say that, you know, particularly, um, you know, there is this common eye roll, I would say, from certain people Mm. around these topics with air pollution, heavy metals and that kind of thing around like uh, whatever, like, I, you know, mm. they don't really um, see it as an issue. And the phrase I always heard thrown around to back up that perspective that it's not mm. much of a big deal is, quote, unquote, the dose makes the poison. Um, and while there is merit to that, like, I mean, we need to apply context, right? So that's very true. However, what people are ignoring, which the research was talking about, is what we are talking about here. And I say this to clients with when I'm testing it and bringing it up as an issue. I say, look, I'm not talking about acute poisoning here. Mm-hmm. What I'm talking about is the accumulation of tiny amounts of this stuff mm-hmm. over a long period of time. So it's really also in the spirit of, like, preventative medicine. Mm. Um, That's a really important one to understand because, like, the tap water one's a good example too, you know, because a lot of clients will kind of say, well, according to the council, it's an acceptable Mm. level, to which I would say, sure, in the context of being acutely poisoned, but if you're drinking that every day for five to ten years, you are going to run into a problem due to accumulation. Um, yeah, so that's just an important one for people to understand and kind of wrap their heads around why certain people like myself are kind of talking about this um, as an issue. Mm. Look, and, and uh, I see people riding bikes uh, up hills on very busy roads. I see them running, you know, like high speed running, breathing heavily, and, and they haven't even at least gone found a park where there might be a small, you know, boundary of at least nature or something that may reduce that exposure at least a little bit. And, yes. um, you know, it, it, it's a really it's a really common thing. And, and as you said, it's ironic, though, that, you know, you even say, look, in really busy cities, it might be better you might be better off being inside because i think most people know that you know most um you know air pollution is actually indoors but obviously if you're near main roads etc then then it's certainly not uh look we're almost out of time Stephen. so if listeners remember only one piece of information from our conversation today what would you like that to be that detoxification is regardless of what how you're feeling what condition or symptoms you have like optimizing detoxification is paramount it's a very important part of restoring balance to the body um and that you know optimizing detoxification there are many there are many branches to consider to support that so yes like i said despite the perfect diet and lifestyle i do think people need some sort of supplementation but obviously we cannot overlook the importance of nailing the lifestyle stuff with this. So people have to be sleeping well, they have to be managing stress, they have to be eating a good diet and they have to be exercising and they have to be getting sun on their skin and barefoot on the earth. So 
just think detoxification, um, mm-hmm. supporting that through diet, lifestyle and supplementation. Mm-hmm. Um, come at that angle regardless of what you're dealing with health-wise and that should have a pretty profound effect on your health. Well, and, and I think that's the whole thing from our chat today. You've really sort of covered, you know, how practitioners and people can look at or assess if these things are a really substantial issue uh, for people. And, and you know, I do think when people come back with a uh, hair tissue mineral analysis that shows quite high levels of metals, et cetera, that, that tells me as a practitioner exactly what you've been saying. I have to start working on their detox pathways. I have to support their detox pathways. And of course, there's those lifestyle things. Please don't drink unfiltered tap water. I'd really rather you didn't do that because as you've said, one glass on its own, no, that's not toxic. But once you consider a litre, two litres a day, every 365 days a year for 10 years, you, you're probably going to wind up with some toxicity from there. And, you know, um, you, you've covered the supplements uh, that, you know, many practitioners are going to find can really help people. And, uh, you know, it, it's quite amazing that some of them do it both by their ability to bind and also, though, by their ability to be really powerful antioxidants. So, uh, you know, look, fantastic. I always enjoy chatting with you. I do hope to chat with you again soon. And I do hope that everyone else uh, who's listening can join us on our next podcast. Thank you so much, Stephen. Pleasure. Thanks so much. To continue the conversation or find out more about our products and educational resources, please head to biopractica.com.au. Biopractica, empowering healthcare professionals.